Citizen Reporter number 436 for the 18th of November, 2012. Part of the Arab Artists in a Revolution series, On the Road with Christopher Leiden and Radio Open Source. This one comes from Tunisia. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Citizen Reporter and we're here in Tunis and we're in a green space. It's the first green space I've really experienced in Tunis and we're here with a group of people which is my favorite way to do it, to talk about a country, especially me as a visitor, still getting to know um, how things work, what are the everyday concerns and activities. And today we're going to focus a bit on iWatch, which is a watchdog organization. And when I hear watchdog organization, I have an idea in my head already of what kind of work that involves and, and why do it. But we're also going to lay it out for anyone who doesn't recognize the term and, and what is it. So to start off with, let me uh, greet uh, our three guests today, uh, starting with uh, Yusra. Hello. Hi, good morning. Hi. Um... Shall I start? No, you're good, okay. don't worry. Um, I'm and uh, I am a member of iWatch. Um, I'm also a master's degree student, final year. Um, I'm like English literature and American literature. Um, what else, Khawla? <laughs> you should probably introduce Khawla now. So, sitting next to her is Khawla. Hi, Khawla. Uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Hello, this is uh, Khawla bin Mahatli, International Relations Coordinator in iWatch organization. I had my master's degree in English for communication last June, and I have been working in community life like since three years. But after the Tunisian Revolution, I joined iWatch, and I worked with iWatch um, since September 2011 in different positions, and that's it. <laughs> And seated next to them is my friend Amir. Hello, Amir. Hello, Mark. So I'm Amir Kamerji, and I finished my studies in English Literature and Civilization. I was a Fulbright Scholar in Johns Hopkins University. I also um, did some peacemaking conflict management in Switzerland program named uh, uh, Go Initiative. And right now I'm also a member of iWatch, which is, which is doing like a, a very amazing job in Tunisia. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening will know that we talked about, uh, and Chris is here as well. Hi, Chris. Hey, Marco. And when we set off on this journey, we said we were going to talk to artists. And, you know, there are reasons I think you can imagine why, but the principle among them is that artists are the good observers, or at least special kind of observers, compared to talking to politicians. But I'm going to dare to to talk a little bit about politics today, because... It seems like, no matter where you go in this life, there's some politics in every little thing, including art. So that aside, uh, let's get into iWatch a little bit. Here you are in a country where uh, two years ago, give or take a few months, um, a dictator was kicked out, a party was kicked out, and to some extent I've thought that a system was almost kicked out. But tell me about how, as that happens, what steps do you take to create a, a watchdog organization? For example, how did iWatch begin? Actually, iWatch was created after the 
Qasba 2 in March 2011. Uh, the iWatch organization was created uh, by um, five members. They are the founders of the organization. Then step by step, uh, uh, we created local chapters. We started like the revolution. We started uh, creating uh, the iWatch from Sidi Bouzid. It was a way like to decentralize the center. Uh, it was a way also to follow the Tunisian revolution, which started from the interior regions and not, and then came to Tunis. And it was the same thing for Iwatch. We started from Sidi Bouzid and the last chapter was in Tunis. Uh, Iwatch worked in voter education, elections before, uh, elections before uh, the election day, <laughs> the, 20, the elections of the Constituent Assembly. And we are a watchdog organization which fights corruption and uh, promotes transparency values. Let's start with voter education because it's a term. It sounds like you're teaching voters, but especially in the situation that the country is in, given the recent history and the long history, how does that look? What is, what is voter education? How does it, what is it? Tell me about the sort of things that are discussed. It started with, um, with like sort of awareness campaigns through concerts. We made, uh, we organized concerts with rap uh, singers in the interior regions, and like in the half of the concert, uh, some iWatch members talk about how elections can be uh, tricked. So it started like that. Then, in cooperation with international NGOs, we made uh, roundtables. We invited guests from. Uh, experts and we tried to aware people of their uh, rights to vote and how they how can important uh, yeah is. how important it is what can you say about the reaction of of citizens uh when it comes to you know here you are telling people the importance of voting trying to help them to see that uh not just for your own purposes but for the for the good of the country are people understanding that mission? Are they with you? Are they saying, you're right, elections, that's, that's what we need to work on? Yeah, actually, once they understand that we're not uh, like political parties, because at first when they, they think we're poli we're, we, like, we, we are, yeah, we are allies of political parties or anything like that, they're kind of like protective or like, they're afraid of talking to us or they don't just don't want to but once they understand that we are like we represent civil society we're part of civil society and we're kind of the same we're young people who are trying to like uh, raise awareness about a certain issue that touches their own lives they kind of understand and they kind of become like more enthusiastic about the about what we're doing so um, I think once they understand what we are doing, and that we don't we don't have like uh, any uh, apartments, yeah, interior models for our own good, they do like become enthusiastic and support us, and they are they are actually aware. I don't know if this happens always after revolutions, but people are actually aware of what's happening, and they are aware of, of the importance of voting, and like. Usually, they during the elections they kind of slacken, slacken off. Like, like, why are we doing this? We already know who's gonna win, but this time around it was kind of different. People knew that they had the the power to change, and their vote is actually going to count. So that was kind of a big thing for us to see and to 
to monitor. I think it was a big, like a, a great experience for someone like in like 23 years old. I've never voted before. Last year was the first time I vote, and this is the the, the, the same thing for other young people. So that kind of. I just want to add uh, another point: is that um, the right to vote is something that we fought for. You know, like during revolution, there are some people who died for that simple right. You know, that we, we didn't have before. You know, we didn't vote like freely or out of our, our own will, everything. So personally, when I voted, I was in Washington D.C. I went to the U.S. embassy over there, and everybody was happy. Everybody like no policeman. I'm voting and no policeman like uh, to watch what we are doing or to force us to vote for somebody, you know. So like just like the effect of putting our fingers in the blue ink, which like represents that we are we voted. It was like one of the most amazing experiences for me. I was even like when I went out to the embassy, I was running and <laughs> laughing like crazy person. Everybody was looking at me like, what is he doing? Why is he laughing alone? Crazy person. Like, I was really happy because it's, you know, when you have like friends that died, others that were injured, others that were arrested, you know, and you finally reach a concrete result, which represents democracy. It's, it's an amazing feeling. I'm thinking about all the people listening who, some of them have simple questions, some of them have the, the deeper questions about Tunisia, its people, what's happening. I think they've heard through bad or good news reports say the, the word that not all is perfect. Some people think one way or the other that it's, it's worse than it is or it's better than it is. I've understood that some things haven't changed and some things have. Um, let's start with the negative, or at least the things that haven't changed. What remains from the days of Ben Ali, or even before him? The police. <clears throat> uh, actually, f the things that didn't change, it's the system, it's the same system, actually. Uh, it's an elusive change, maybe, to some extent. There is no deep change, there is no practical change still we are in the same uh, situation economic problems even worse even worse social unrest maybe now we have more freedom of expression media are talking about several issues related to the government the thing that uh, was not happening before but still there is we cannot talk about the wind of change i mean there is no um, a big change but, I mean, like, we are looking for a change. Civil society can play a prominent role in this. But the focus of people, of common people, let's say, now is on uh, social issues and economic problems. But up to politics, there is no practical change. Actually, also, maybe I, this is, this is something that I believe, but even the willingness for change is change in itself because people were like they were not willing to change like there was a certain situation we were living in a certain under certain circumstances and people took like i don't know they surrendered to to the they rely reality or what was happening but after the revolution and after all what has has happened uh, people kind of now struggle for change. They they do not take it take everything like for granted and like say it's okay. We're gonna live with that whatever that is. But now people, I think they strive more for change, and that in in itself is 
is a change in mentality of the Tunisian people and that's something that that eventually will lead to a more drastic more drastic changes in in politically socially um, and economically speaking I don't know if you agree guys with me but yeah personally I think that um, Tunisian citizens are like a baby and the revolution is a fast car you know so you can't ask a baby to drive the fast car you know it's impossible so this baby needs to grow up it's like a process that needs time probably a lot of time and once this baby grows up becomes a man and knows how to drive fast car you know be careful on the road and everything with obstacles everywhere I think everything would be fine but it just needs a lot of time and some kind of ed political education you know for Tunisian citizens let's say also that we were not ready for change we were not ready yeah. for the revolution it was more than ex unexpected so that's why the process of change is slow it's like shock therapy yeah it's like shock therapy <laughs> something came that we weren't expecting but we were learning to cohabitate with the thing and i don't think this is maybe something else like democracy is becoming like the I don't know. Maybe you would like Khawla would love the the figure of speech of like opium of the Tunisians yeah. for now. But I I would like to like think that it's getting better each day because people are growing up like Amir said and that's that's the great thing about the our revolution. It started like in nowhere and it started now it's starting to go okay. somewhere and our choices are being narrowed down for like not like in a negative way but we know what we want it's like i i think it's that that is positive change political maturity yeah. actually we need political maturity yes yeah. yeah that's it but it needs time especially for our country yeah that's why but things are changing at the same time we need like uh, things are changing and we need like to gr to grow fast and to to be up to the to the expectations of um, of people so this is the problem things are changing and we need time and at the same time we are still not mature enough we need to adapt yeah. we need to adapt ourselves to these changes going back a little bit to to the work of iwatch um, elections observation i think is, is is clear what that is and that's what you're involved in i'm curious about the other stuff because there's so much to watch in, in the, today's Tunisia. Um, what other aspects of society are you keeping an eye on in the spirit of this needs to go well, this needs to be improved? Uh, maybe the drafting of the constitution? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah, the drafting of the constitution, which is a slow process. Actually, um, one of the m most famous projects or most interesting let's say projects that was made by iwatch uh, was the um, uh, model constituent assembly it took place in um, in the um, in the in august no. 30 31 yeah. of august and the first september uh, actually uh, we gathered 2017 um, participants from all over the country 200 217 um, participants from all over the country and uh, we uh, it was a simulation for the different committees of the constitution we came up with a draft and which is 
very important that the Constitution Assembly of after Tunisia, three after yeah, after three days, the simulation was for three days, and at the last day we ca we came up with a rec uh, with a set of recommendations for every committee. And one of the recommendations were taken by um, the Constitution and the, the two articles yes. of the, the body management. Yeah. actually. Our, uh, the recommendations that we came up with, uh, especially for the um, body management of the elections, because there was like a huge problem for concerning the, um, the independence of this commission and uh, they took the, f the first two articles and they are now drafting in the constitution. So also um, we made... Um, um, round tables? Round tables? Yeah, we moderated... Uh, like uh, that round tables were kind of in Karwen and like internal regions and we moderated like meetings with the representatives of the government with young people from those area and they kind of discussed what what is wrong with the system there and what what the government could do and that it was kind of like an under they came to a, a certain understanding to like calm down like the, the unrest that has been like going on in those areas so that was one of the the most I would say the most important things we've done also the poll also uh, yeah we've done a few um, like uh, questionnaires or polls ab about uh, the um, the popularity or the 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 work of the government and it has been done through uh, SMS like uh, text text messages and uh, it has been conducted uh, through like uh, along five months and at each month we come and do like a press conference, a press conference where we release the, the results of that, that month. And eventually, uh, I would say Khawla has more uh, information about it since she, she presented the, the last one. Actually, the goal of the poll was to, <coughs> to, to highlight the evolution of the Tunisian uh, point of view of the Tunisian uh, of the general public attitude toward uh, the three government, I mean, the presidential uh, government, the um, Nahda, some political parties. So uh, there were like SMS who were sent for more than 50,000 uh, people from around the country, uh, taken into consideration age, gender and social class. And from those 15,000 there were like 8,000 8, 8, that they were repeated every month and we came up with a report, a final report, in order to show how uh, people's attitudes are changing from month to month according to economic situation and the social situation. Let me, let me take it back to the streets a little bit. Um, I walked around Tunis, center of the city yesterday for the first time and it's interesting, of course, and it's fun to look around. And I noticed how there are, for example, government buildings that are so protected. And that, that's normal, but the way they're protected with the barbed wire, with the, the stern looks from the authorities, it gives a strange impression. I wonder, like, when you see these things, I mean, you're used to seeing them, but what does it say about how things are going, how the process, this long process, is going in the Personally, I think that policemen right now 
are scared from Tunisian citizens because they most of the time they do protests and specifically in front of the Ministry of Interior. Um, like the events, like the revolution in Tunisia became famous around the world in January 14th. It was exactly in, in that place, in front of the Ministry of Interior. And after like uh, around, I guess, two hours of protests, policemen surrounded all of those persons and attacked them, you know. While the president one night before, he said that no more violence, uh, policemen will like treat well the citizens, no more shooting, everything. And everything was proven wrong. So it's really hard to to like, to accept policemen right now and policemen right now like more or less softer like before like we, we we can't do anything against them you know when they say something we just like get scared and we do it or we avoid or we try to tell them like to to like okay just forget the story and let to everybody give them bribery <laughs> yeah bribery like specifically bribery but right now like the thing is that tunisian man, tunisian citizens right now are like Proves like less fear toward policemen, and policemen right now proves like more fear toward to citizens. So, the relationship between Beautiful both sides, fear. yeah, between both sides, not really but balanced. Also, also, I would like to to add like um, the thing also that does not encourage trust between both parties is that. The, the the ministry the interior ministry did not change they changed like the head of the ministry like the minister but the, the other like the main figures of like corruption and figures that oppressed and killed and abuse. give yeah abuse and gave like the orders to shoot they were still there and they're not doing anything like the new minister not the new government not the new president nothing is happening i just would like to add that <laughs> <laughs> okay actually the in the, inter, uh, in the interim government, the minister of interior was Farhat Rajhi. In the, in the yeah. television, he said, I mean, in front of all people, I'm the minister of the interior uh, and I cannot really manage all things there. There are many people who are not obeying my orders. Yeah. So this is a problem too. <clears throat> That's why she said that the, there are a lot of figures that they are not changing. It makes me think a little bit about I mean, different country, different situation, but the power or the need for truth and reconciliation, you know, that old tradition of... South African... Uh, bearing the hatchet away. Yeah. Telling we need accountability. I'm not for yeah. reconciliation. I mean, we need accountability first. Accountability, accountability first and then reconciliation. And actually, I think that the South African experience is one of the revealing examples that shows that reconciliation without accountability is nothing and it's kind of... Um, failure? A failure. It's for sure a failure. Actually, one of them, you cannot like, we have a lot of people who died during the revolution. Their families are still, I mean, uh, trying, looking for, looking for answers. You cannot talk about reconciliation without, I mean, uh, talking about accountability. So we need accountability in order to achieve democracy. You can't talk about uh, reconciliation when, pe when the people is like furious. There's still a lot of furious people, like people who lost their beloved ones, people like, like the, the families of the injured. They're not being taken care of, like at all. They, they're in the worst situation, the injured. Um, people that have been like um, uh, tortured, oppressed, people that have been uh, like tortured or whatever. And you can't talk about reconciliation when when we have such an angry population, it's not, it's not like practical. You have to start talking about 
how are you going to deal with people who did some things that are wrong and how those people are going to pay back the community and how they are going to pay for what they did and then maybe we can start talking about a reconciliation but also Tunisians have to understand that it's not like an easy process which is like the main problem right now because we are I don't know people we want like instant result which is like impossible and yeah but just imagine both of us we 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 don't have one of our anyone of our friends or our families who was injured or uh, or, in jail or, or in jail died. or died but we are talking about accountability just imagine how other people who are uh, their families friends who have been, and, uh, who've been affected from what happened before so you cannot like talk simply about reconciliation where other people are still suffering from what happened for them or for their beloved so um, that's it personally i have two friends died one of them just in front of me so uh, and when i met their parents the only thing that they want is who is the one who killed their son you know till now they don't know anything and when you talk about reconciliations we talk about two sides you know or even more and those two sides need to be ready for reconciliation but right now like citizens and policemen citizens are still till now they don't trust policemen and policemen they're so used to abuse citizens like they represent the force the strength of government you know so for them it's hard to accept that citizens are more p powerful you know so we're still a bit far from the reconciliation part which is deceiving also that government officials are talking about reconciliation i uh, i heard an interview for the minister of um, Samir Dilu, the Minister of Human Rights, who was talking about the priority of Tunisia, which is uh, economy. There are a lot of businessmen who were involved in corruption cases. Yeah. Now they are not, uh, they are like... Uh, They're not the, being tried. Tri yeah, they are running their projects. And he said simply, we need employment, we need uh, job opportunities. That's why we, we, we are letting them work normally, which is, I mean, come on, we are talking about accountability. How could you talk about accountability when you are not uh, taking into consideration some cases of corruption and we're like obvious for all people? I mean, that's, that's really a problem. And also, I think it's a little bit ironic, like the the situation of the the, the position of the government on like, reconciliation and inaccountability. It's ironic because they were once, like most of them, they were oppressed and they were like abused, and and then like now they're talking about reconciliation just because they are in a position that like forces them to to kind of stick to that. But they they were once oppressed, so maybe. That person, the person that they used to be before the revolution, maybe at some point there he has to come up and like say, okay, we need accountability too. So plus, uh, another party was not involved at all in the revolution. So that's the governing party. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like most of citizens think you're not involved in the revolution. So how come you take care of business here about like the martyrs, their families, you know, economies, uh, insecurity? You don't know anything, you know, and yeah. So it's and quite hard. Back to saying that they've done this like for like almost 20 years and they were oppressed and blah blah blah. But they now they are the ones saying to the Tunisians, "What? Where have you been before the 14th?" 
I mean, come on. You were in London and the other one is like, we're in Qatar. Exiles, and yeah, you were, almost all of you were exiled. Like, a small proportion were in prisons. Like, why are you talking about this now? It's, it seems like unfair and deceiving for, for the people, so, yeah. All right, guys. Um, I want to do a few things. Uh, one, if there's anything else you want to say, feel free. Because, uh, and the reason I ask this is, you know, to some extent we're communicating with the world and maybe there's stuff that you watch in international press or in Facebook conversations and you think, for once and for all, you know, listen. <laughs> so if there were such a thing, uh, feel free. I'd be honored to have it. Um, I think that the, rev like, the reasons for the revolution are mainly for economical and social or like... Uh, um, inequality, economical, yeah, but uh, but uh, not religious. How it started, uh, religion, religion have nothing to do with the revolution. Uh, that's like most of uh, other countries think it's about. And uh, another thing I want to add about iWatch is that it's an organization like most of its members are youth. And it's like one of the first initiatives, you know, like having youth involved in politics and social activities and everything after the revolution. It's really something big, you know, in Tunisia. So uh, it's true that we're trying to do our best. There are like some lack of experience, but we are learning a lot and get involved in different fields, political, social, economical, environmental, and everything. So um, I think it's a big step for Tunisian youth. Yeah, and uh, one of the basis of iWatch is like no trusteeship. Young people were like Neglect told what to do, neglected for like especially in the constitution assembly. Yeah, I mean there is no youth representatives in the pre-post-revolution. We were neglected, but this is this kind of like organization like iWatch, and I think there are a few others in Tunisia that um, that are based on young people. That we get, I don't know. As for me, it's. It's has, it has given me a voice, maybe like to to be a kind of um, an actor in change, which is like a huge thing for, for, for us. So I think we should be given more space, like the youth should have more, more space to express active himself role. and be active, because there are a lot of creative young people, but they are not given space to, to exhaust that creativity and to, to be efficient in, in, in society. So. Our friend Christopher Leiden is here, Can I, uh, and I, I know he loves, yeah. What electrified the world two winters ago was that big, brave, defiant roar of young Arabs throwing off the shackles of dictatorship and those chants about freedom, dignity, work. You know, in the parliamentary elections you had last year and the presidential election you'll have next year, do we still believe in that big sound, a big change? coming in Tunisia and in the Arab world? Uh, I don't think that we are uh, running a big change. Maybe for the common people especially, we, they are not like expecting a big change. There is a kind of elusive change, an illusion of a big change, but practically speaking, there is no um, a deep change, there is no uh, practical and concrete change. So, um, personally, um, I'm looking for a big change. I want to achieve a big change, but we need time, we need efforts, we need patience. Uh, patience is not one of the qualities of Tunisians. It's not one of our, our virtues. <laughs> so uh, we are prioritizing economic and social issues, 
and like we are looking for um, quick solutions so change needs time and uh, I'm expecting change but I'm expecting uh, problems to come in with change and hope that this change uh, will come we come looking for a change that you could see on people's faces do you see it personally because I was away from the country during one year so once I came back I could see the change and what I've seen like a lot of frustration anger from people when I first came back to Tunisia I went out and I told my brother why everybody look so angry and frustrated you know so I could see like that the government didn't provide any concrete result to satisfy what people fought for but personally I try to be more positive I also I always think that we need time and it's a new process for Tunisian citizens even for the government so we need practice we need more awareness um, it's gonna take a long time right now it's hard to get like satisfying results but uh, I guess um, after one two years or something like that or three years we, we Tunisian people will get used to that and be more aware and more conscious about what this country really needs and it's true that right now people are like kind of divided especially with the excessive political parties that we have we just used, used to have just one leading political party right now we have a lot of them so different political opinions and doctrines and right now religion is in like entering the question which like when you know that religion is a big issue you know not only in Tunisia but everywhere so it, it's like we only see conflicts media is not yeah, media is not really neutral in Tunisia. It's really hard to find like neutral media because they still have like the same practices of an old regime. They always look for conflicts and problems or like intoxes sometimes, especially in social media. We find a lot of intoxes and true information. So like the excess of those things makes Tunisian citizens not interested anymore in knowing the truth or trying to look for the truth. And um, they hear what they want to hear. Yeah, they just like need give me like a concrete, fast result, show it to me, and then okay, I don't care. Okay, so it's it's a process that needs time. It's uh, we need consciousness. I think we should focus more on uh, education in all fields. You know, specifically political fields. You know, or even like why not like religious education? You know, like t to make. Tunisians accept more differences like if this person is atheist or Muslim or not you know so what's the problem it's like a Tunisian citizen we're all the same so it's something that we still lack here in Tunisia but to be optimistic I think we just need time Amir and Yasra and Haula were you surprised that the Islamic activists when it came to voting had the only really effective political party on the ground. And now they're running the government. Honestly, I don't think that Nahda has an Islamic um, background. They're just using it. It's actually it's a political party. It has nothing to do with religion. And they are just, they were, they used to, to use, I mean, the religious part or religious background in order to influence people's uh, voters uh, uh, voters attitudes that's it but it has nothing I mean I am not considering uh, Nahda as, in, as an Islamic party honestly well, I mean even in Egypt for example they yeah. I mean she was in Egypt after the Egyptian revolution yeah. she observed elections there and she said to me that uh, they are considering Nahda not only as a moderate 
party yeah, less than moderate less than moderate <laughs> i mean for them is even an it's like uh, uh, it's not a not islamic too party islamic. forgive me for interrupting uh, that's just the name they use there's no question that the islamic activists did take over that party and are now running the, the government is there It's a political. This is, this is your opinion. I mean, I this watch. is my opinion, of course. <laughs> this is a big. This is my opinion. Avoiding the point. Uh, who's running the government? Uh, Nahda. Nahda. And, the and who's running Nahda? Uh, Ghanoush. The yeah. But what what she's trying to say is that like she's emphasizing on like the politi- the the. It's not an like purely Islamist background. They do they have like the Islamist background, but now they're kind of using it to get into power and to stay in in power. So that's what she's trying to do. But for 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 your question, I think that um personally I I haven't been like surprised when they got into power because people were oppressed religiously for for too long people were not allowed to go and to pra- to, to practice to 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 practice their own religion we were we're all muslim practically in tunisia like 80% or 90% all muslims but uh, people were oppressed in that way they were not allowed to go pray in in the mosque they were not allowed to have like um to wear a veil where a veil was not like it was like something veiled women were oppressed against a lot They were thrown in jail. They were like raped. They were abused. They, they that, that, that all that all that yeah uh, all that oppression and aggression against them, it has to come at a certain point. At some point, it's it's rage, and they are going to vote for for an Islamist party because they think that everything that um, that represents what used to be or the old regime is is negative. And even even yeah, they sympathize and they they related to to the Islamist party, if we can say like Islamist party. So that was was one of the things that promoted and that helped uh, Nahda to to get into power. One other thing that they knew where to um, they knew like the weak, I don't know the the, the areas that would be more. Uh, influenced by their I- ideology, which were like interior regions, um, not a lot of regions, education, um, uh, yeah, popular the social regions. popular region, yeah, uh, and the like um, French disfranchised, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, disfranchised, disenfranchised Dis- areas. So yeah, uh, those were the places that they played on like they try to get into those people's mind and try to convince them that this is the right thing to do this is what god wants you to do this is how you're going to get into heaven and blah blah they played on that and they also played on like um, on poor people they try to uh, we're going to make the best of what we have here in Tunisia and you're you're gonna have like more resources and you everything is gonna be okay promises promises nothing but promises and i think this they are going to be affected by their old promises in the next election we're gonna see that in the next elections um, during ben ali even before ben ali those like like those for example girls uh, put like head scarves and everything were forbidden to go to class to school to work uh, in mosques uh, like you know in in muslim countries every friday we have like friday prayers and the imams like do kind of speech and in the end of speech every imam have to thank ben ali for his contributions everything and everybody have to say 
I mean, I mean, it's like I'm in Christianity. So everybody have to agree. If you don't agree, there's like a policeman, you know, inside the mosque, you know, like. So you can see like how like the system of Ben Ali kind of repressed a lot of those people. I understand their like rage, you know. However, like uh, the revolution was made for all Tunisian citizens. The thing is that that repression kind of made some Tunisian citizens vote for another party that entered in the campaigns with Islam as like an argument to vote for them. But right now, I, I, I'm not seeing anything uh, that is referred to Islam that they're applying. They're just like doing politics, just politic games. So personally, I think that they used Islam to obtain votes. And right now, they're just like doing what they want, even though they are not involved at all with the revolution. So it for me, it's kind of expected partially, but not expected too, because I thought that some Tunisian citizens would be like more aware, but political awareness is kind of absent. So, so yeah, that was the result. Will it be different in the presidential election next year? I, th I think, it, personally, I think it will be different because we've seen the results, you know, no results at all. <laughs> the results, like, no results at all. Actually, it became worse, you know, and in Tunisia, didn't have those religious conflicts between, like, secularists, you know, atheists, Islamists. It didn't exist before. Right now, it exists. It's really bad, you know. Like, some friends, like, right now, they're enemies because of those issues. So, uh, the, the negative aspects of the government, like, they just brought negative, you know, impact... Uh, I don't think they'll get a second chance, so it's up to the awareness of Tunisian people if they learn from that lesson or not. I think that what would be different uh, during the next uh, elections is the emerging of the ex-regime figures mm. through another party, which is Nide Tunis. Now, people who were like disappointed from Nahda, well, promises... Hey and who hate Nahda are turning uh, to Nide Tunis, the, which other the, the other extreme, which is a huge problem, at least for me, because uh, when you are disappointed from an, a party, this does not mean that you turn to the next, to the ex-regime, which is really, I mean, uh, very, um, I mean, disappointing. Thank you all. Haula, Yosra, Amir. Good luck to you. Good luck to Tunisia. Thank you so much. زوالي معذب ومحتم وغلات العيشة الغلي وين يمشي يقضي فقرة سوريشة لمي ما جابت راجل ما خاف من حد دوسي تعرف راجل ما خافش من حتى حد فن الرعب يحكي واقع كيف ما يقع يحكي حقيقة بس بالشعب المفجوع مادام تونس في أزمة صادم من غير رجوع كامي كازي دفع لأهلي وناسي مادام تونس في أزمة وامي زالش خلي مباسي كونتر اللي يحقرها كونتر اللي يحقرها كلمة الحق قولها بس بالشعب مفجرها واللي صار وعينيك شوف اليوم كيفاش تقر الانتحار نور تضرب والتبلادي بين عيني بالرفان شي ما تشوف
بتشوف في الاخبار مدام اصحاب السلطه بقيت كفن في العار العار طالع طالع اخ الشعب ضرب الكلب ويلع ويلع